Hello, everybody. I'm Radio Johnny, and welcome to another recovery radio broadcast recorded live at the Leitar Recovery Center in downtown Moscow. Recovery Radio is an outreach of the Leitar Recovery Center located at 531 South Main Street in Moscow. You can contact the LRC by phone at 208-883-1045 or by email at LeitarRecoveryCenter at gmail.com. You can find them on the web at LeitarRecoveryCenter.org and on Facebook. Recovery Radio's purpose is to share with our community how addiction and behavioral health disorders affect us all and to share the recovery resources available in our area along with the personal stories of people in and around recovery highlighting their experience, insight, and hope for continuing recovery. And like I said, I am Radio Johnny and I'm going to run over the March calendar really quick. Uh, harm reduction, safe syringe exchange and supplies. Uh, that happens here weekdays by appointment. Recovery coaching, peer support, which is online, by phone, and call to schedule. That's also weekdays by appointment or just wander in. Uh, Vandal recovery at the center, formerly Campus Christian Center, on the U of I campus, and that's weekdays from 8.30 to 4.30. Alcoholics Anonymous every day at noon, Narcotics Anonymous every day at 7 p.m. Sexaholics Anonymous meets Monday, Tuesday, and Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. and Saturdays at 9 a.m. The AA Monday Men's Meeting meets Mondays at 5.30. The Reentry Support Group with Miranda is Mondays at 6.30. The AA Women's Meeting, which is live at St. Mark's Episcopal Church and available on Zoom through our website, is Monday at 7.30. Recovery Peer Volunteer Meeting is the last Monday of the month at 6. The Grief Group meets the first Tuesday of every month at 5. Board of Directors Meeting is the second Tuesday of every month at 3.45, and the public is welcome to attend. Vandal All Recovery Meeting at the Center on Campus, that's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. The Events Committee meets Wednesdays at 2. New Volunteer Orientation is Wednesdays at 3. And Overeaters Anonymous, Wednesdays at 5.30. Oscar Mike Vets Coffee and Conversation is Wednesdays at 6.30. Uh, Movie and Game Night, Thursdays from 5 to 8. Our Intern Meeting is Fridays at 2 All Recovery Meeting, live and on Zoom, is Fridays from 5 to 5.45. Uh, Yoga with Katrin is Fridays at 5.30. Al-Anon, live and on Zoom, is Fridays at 8. And the Alcoholics Anonymous Sunday Morning Group meets at the Center, Campus Christian Center, and you can access that on Zoom through the AA District 22AA.org website. And uh, just a reminder, we have free Narcan. Uh, Narcan is the opioid reversal drug. And uh, check with our staff if you'd like to have a dose of this life-saving opioid reversal drug. And Zoom meetings are accessed by going to our calendar at www, of course, everyone knows that, latarrecoverycenter.org and clicking on the group name and follow the instructions from there. And if you have problems with that, give us a call. One of our volunteers or staff will be happy to walk you through the Zoom nightmare. And today, 
in the studio slash conference room with me is Emily. And Emily uh, works here at the Lataw Recovery Center. She is a woman in recovery as well, which is what we like to have here at the Recovery Center. And uh, welcome, Emily. Hi, good to see you. Hi, Johnny. I'm glad to be here. Kind of exciting. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Why don't we uh, Why don't we kick this off? Um, tell us a little bit about your history. Uh, you know where you're from. How you managed to uh, wind up in in beautiful Moscow, Idaho, and um, we'll go on from there. All right. Yeah, I ended up in beautiful Moscow, Idaho, about uh, 2019. But originally, I'm from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So. Uh, every now and then you'll hear that South Jersey accent. Uh, it's kind of can't really get rid of it. And I pulled a few geographicals. I decided that New Jersey was just full of traffic and too hard to drive in. So I decided to up and move to Arizona. And I got a job working at a lodge at the Grand Canyon. And uh, throughout this whole period, uh, my I was, I, I had already found the bottle and I was already partying hard, even though I was only 22. And I thought that moving to Arizona would like really change my life and things would get better and different and new and shiny. And that <laughs> did not happen. It, it, it was a, it was definitely an exciting time in my life. I mean, it was just like, I was hiking all the time. I was I was singing to customers. I'm also a singer, so I would I would sing to my my customers when I was a waitress at this lodge, and it was it was a really really cool gig. But but my drinking just got so out of control, and my relationships at that job just deteriorated the more that I I drank the more that I was like well I can't deal with this this is too hard I don't want to I don't want to feel I don't want to deal with this so I would just I would end up drinking and I ended up overdosing actually at the Grand Canyon and if you do that at the Grand Canyon they airlift you to Flagstaff Arizona because that's the closest medical services that are there so that was definitely an eye opener I spent some time in the hospital, and then I left, and I ended up in back in New Jersey, and I was pretty miserable, and I was taking care of my dad and my mom, and I had done that for a few years, like when I was a teenager, because uh, my parents were much older than me when they had me, so I was kind of like a fill-in caregiver nurse, and it was helpful because like my mom was a nurse too. But that wasn't really working out either. So I got the brilliant idea that packing up my car and moving all my stuff to Pullman, Washington would be great because there was this job that I was supposed to get at SEL. And that geographical led to me getting a DUI in Pullman. So that was also exciting. And that was, that was not the time that I actually got sober. That was kind of another wake-up call. But the wake-up call came when I really could, I couldn't drink because if I got caught drinking and I had this DUI charge, I'd get into trouble. So I thought, well, NyQuil has alcohol in it, so I will buy some NyQuil. 
And I I bought a bottle of NyQuil and I drank the whole thing and I panicked and luckily I had made a friend in she lived in Moscow and uh I'd made a friend in Moscow and I called her and I begged her for help and guidance because I was panicking and I was freaking out and I was so broken and alone and she recommended that I start down a road of recovery because she told me she did not drink anymore. And that was kind of eye-opening for me because I didn't know that you could even stop drinking. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not obvious to us. um, No. uh, Or or palatable or a wonderful thought or anything like that. Mm. So you wound up in Pullman and and you started on a path to recovery. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, kind of veer off of that for a second and come over to your relationship with the Latar Recovery Center, yeah. Vandal Recovery. Vandal Recovery, yes. I am currently the Vandal Recovery Program Coordinator, so that's very, very exciting. Also, I celebrated four years of sobriety this past Saturday. So that was March 4th. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Very exciting. But how I got there was kind of weird because like I, well, I, I didn't have any education. I didn't have any prospects. I, I was pretty much unemployable, all of this different stuff. So I was like looking around me, like, what can I even do? What, what should I do? But I had gone to IOP over in Pullman which is um, intensive outpatient program. And I had met so many like different substance abuse counselors and they inspired me with their, with their experience, with their strength through all of their problems and their addictions and how they had come to this point in their life where they could actually help other people. Now they weren't, you know, they weren't causing this wreckage in their lives. They were guiding people through all this hard stuff that they're dealing with. And that really inspired me to, I applied at the University of Idaho and I got accepted and that was really exciting. I started out as a forestry major and then I quickly changed to uh, the uh, to a psychology major because I was like, I cannot walk 12 miles anymore. That's not going to happen. So like, I don't think forestry is for me. But that's just kind of, you know, you never know where life is really going to take you. But I started taking psych classes, and I I actually had a job at Rosars, and I found out about this place, LRC, because I was voicing to some people that, like, I want to be a substance abuse counselor. That sounds so cool. Like, I, I know about recovery. I can, I, I might be able to do that job. I might be able to help people. Um, and someone suggested that I come into LRC and I, I apply and look and see like what was held in store for me. So I was able to apply and get this job as an intern at the crisis center, but then also as a volunteer at LRC. And I, I was interning and learning about crisis worker work and, um, I was also volunteering down at Vandal Recovery, which is LRC's outreach program on campus. And that got me really excited because I'm a, I'm a senior 
at the university and I'm in recovery and that's really not something that you see a lot of. You don't see a lot of students that are actively searching for recovery and able to maintain their sobriety too. Like, you know, there's some parties and da 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 and <laughs> college life. <laughs> college sure, life, sure. yeah. You know, so Vandal Recovery is this safe space where if people feel like they, you know, maybe they're not being understood by their peers or maybe they just need like a safe place to go and they need to talk or unwind or we also have a craft night that we're doing so like you can these sober activities that like you know when you enter recovery you don't realize that there's all of these things that you can do and you don't have to be you don't have to be drunk you can be sober you can do you can do these activities when you're when you're sober and it's such a relief that there are things that you can do besides just partying or going to the bars or you know that that's the only way that you can have fun there's a lot of different activities right you can and, do. You, and you develop a, uh, a a social group of of sober people or mm-hmm. people in recovery um through uh, organizations like that mm-hmm. so that you're not just limited to the functions there you can build a group around you that likes to go bowling mm-hmm. or yeah. likes to go hiking or camping you know when the weather's good or mm-hmm. skiing when yeah but yeah. uh to, to find, a, a, I guess you could call it a fellowship yeah. of people that, uh, you know, are like-minded. And, and that's tough on a university campus, especially one that's kind of remote like this. Mm. People are broke students, yeah. <laughs> uh, as I recall from back in the day, uh, don't necessarily want to drive an hour and a half mm. to the big city, Spokane. We're still broke students. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to uh, to do things. So to develop a social group around doing things locally in the area, a craft night, uh, probably coming up with other things. We are. There's, there's the Vandal All Recovery Meeting that meets on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. It's at the center, uh, formerly the Campus Christian Center. Um, and we've been having a good turnout. And it's been, you know, it's it's been some people who I don't know how they found out about it, but they did and they stumbled mm-hmm. in and it was kind of cool to get to see other people coming in and sharing what they were going through. And then um, we're also starting up a crochet group because I just learned how to crochet about three weeks ago. And uh, I have the lovely Jamie who I'm interning with and she taught me how how to crochet and a different friend of mine too um, helped me as well. And uh, we're starting a crochet group, and it's really cool to be able to, like, work with my hands and be able to learn this new skill that when I started was so daunting, and I was I cannot do this, I cannot do this, I am so overwhelmed. And then, like, but once you get the hang of it and you practice, kind of like recovery, actually, it gets really, it starts to feel natural and easy and mm-hmm. so ne- yes we're creating a crochet group as well <laughs> well and and i want i just want to clarify too that uh the recovery that you're you know helping people with there uh is not just uh alcohol or other drugs no. it's behavioral health things mm-hmm. mental health things as well yes the vandal recovery program is something where it's not just substance 
use. It's not just drugs and alcohol. It's it's also for people who are going through just struggling with like day-to-day things like having mental health challenges and maybe people who are struggling with an eating disorder. There's a lot of different people. I mean, there's and there's a lot of different problems that people have on a day-to-day basis and vandal recovery is nice because it's just someone people who can walk with you through it walk through those problems that every college student has and you know if you're a college student and you're in recovery that kind of adds this extra layer of "Eh, oh gosh yeah Um, (laughs) yeah so it's it's just nice to have this group of people that are around you that really understand where you're coming from and they and they can walk with you through that process. Right. Right. Yeah. Because um, again, thinking back, you're away from home probably for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you've been granted uh, basically infinite freedom yes. to make good and bad choices. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, and it's just the stress. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're investing a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and yeah. going into crippling debt, as I like to call it. Yep. <laughs> uh, and you know, hoping that the work you do now is going to pay off later. That's a lot of stress. All of that. You're getting used to roommates who, you know, maybe drive you crazy. Um, yes. Or living in a dorm atmosphere, which is, at, at, in the best cases, chaotic. <laughs> um, in the worst cases, beyond chaotic. Yeah. Um, approaching insane. So, yeah, I mean, just being, a, being able to talk to somebody and learning how to deal with that in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is awesome. That's That's what needs to happen, what needs to be available to people. Yeah. And, you know, it really helps that, you know, you have had struggles, which we'll get into after we take a break here in a minute. Uh, You know, you've struggled with those things, you know, Mm -hmm. with 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 addiction and behavioral health and because they tend to go hand in hand. I don't Mm -hmm. want to paint your picture for you, but um, I've known you for a while, for Mm -hmm. a few years, probably about four years. Probably. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And. We've, we've done some recovery stuff together. So it's uh, nice to have somebody who understands and can sit and, and listen and occasionally say, yeah, I, I get it. I, yeah, I've been there. I've sat in that chair you're sitting in before. And I yeah. know you're uncomfortable, but let's do what we can to uh, you know, lift your spirit and heal your mind a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because it's hard work. It's hard work. It is. It definitely is hard work, too. And um, just to touch on briefly about, like, my own mental health challenges, like, I, um, there, there was a point in my life where I really struggled with some of my mental health challenges because um, my father unexpectedly died in, um, at the very end of 2020, the year that just kept on giving, yeah. just kept oh, on man. giving. Um, so my the my father suddenly passed away, and I took a a bit. And this was when I was in recovery as well. So I took a bit of a downward spiral, and uh, I really I needed some of that extra help. 
So there's the counseling testing and testing center on campus. And I, I've seen a therapist through the counseling and testing center uh, for the past two and a half years. And it's something that has really helped me heal the other things that, you know, recovery can help with so much, but sometimes it, it's good to get to the reason, like, why was I drinking in the first place? Like, what was I running from that I struggle with so much that I was trying to cover it up or numb myself with drinking that, like, that what was I running from? That that was the question that I kept asking myself. And my, my therapist was very, very helpful with that. And I absolutely encourage, like, these things can intersect and they can intertwine and they can work together at the same time. So, like, my recovery is so important to me because I can't do anything with, if I'm not sober. But my mental health is something that allows me to get up every day and be useful and go to work and contribute to society. And if my mental health fails, then like everything, you know, these two, Mm -hmm. these two things are really do go hand in hand. And I think that getting therapy is, it's not a sign of a weakness. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a sign of strength because it's okay to admit that you need help. And like, I did that with recovery too. So it's just, it's, right. Yeah, it's just changing the words a little bit. <laughs> yep, yep, I absolutely agree. Well, let's take a little break here, uh, listen to a tune, and we'll come back uh, and talk some more with Emily. And uh, this is KRFP 90.3 FM in Moscow Pullman, the coolest station in the nation, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Weekend, I've got a place on one night stands. 
Radio Johnny, and across the table from me in the conference room slash recording studio is Emily. And Emily's been sharing with us a little bit of her history, and and uh, I wanted to uh, dive back in a little bit to your uh, your recovery story. You've kind of told us already, you know, how you, uh, you know, what happened, what it was like out there when you were uh, drinking, mm-hmm. and uh, how you uh, wound up coming into recovery, and a uh, little bit about what you're doing now, but how ha- how did your uh, recovery, you know, blossom into all this good news from all that bad news? What what has it been like for you, uh, getting sober and maintaining your sobriety? Well, as I mentioned, uh, it's it's been four years, so it's certainly been a wild ride. But I really started to notice some changes when you know, meeting other people in the community. And I was realizing that these other people, like they had stopped drinking too, and they would share their experience with me. And I was also going to my group therapy sessions over in Pullman. And I started to realize like how damaging my, my drinking had been and how much of these like relationships that I had, I had damaged and I had lost. And all of this different stuff. So when I really started to take a look at myself and working with another person, that was when things started to change. And as I said, like I, like I had a job and I applied to the University of Idaho and that was kind of exciting because I was like, you know, I was, it felt like I was starting my, my life over Mm -hmm. again. Sure but also like still being active in the community and you know going to meetings and helping and helping other people by sharing my own story and so it, it was kind of a gradual process i would never i would never say that like any anything with me really happened overnight but i was able to make a lot of things right like with my family and talk to them about what I had been going through and so much started to change like the world opened itself up to me and I was able I was getting my degree in psychology and repairing these relationships and and making things right and I was I was so grateful too for being able to talk openly like with my dad and really get to the th- to the thick of it like what I was really drinking at and we both came to this conclusion that like we had these emotions and we just weren't dealing with them great and how we had flaws and how now we were opening up about it and how we were we were managing it now and we were recognizing these problems and it really started to heal this relationship that had been kind of tumultuous, really. And so then there were there were other relationships as well that, like, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of scary dating and all of that yikesy, you know. But 
there was someone who I really, I recognized that, you know, he would call me all the time and he, and he would reach out to me and just like ask me how I was doing. And, and we would start to hang out and we would go to events together and like, just go, you know, do normal things together, like bowling or movies or go out to eat all of this different, all of this different, these different sober activities, like we could do it together and really like have fun, but also have like meaningful relationships because I'm not drunk all the time. I'm, you know, getting to know this person on a deeper level than just like superficially because we're together and we're drunk and it's convenient. It's like, no, like I, I was really able to to get to know this person. And, you know, we went to a Brandy Carlisle concert together and we had been dating at this point for a little over a year and a half and um he proposed to me and then another year goes by and we're planning this wedding and we're doing it together and you know like we were at this point in our recovery where like we can have we can have beer and wine at the wedding and we're not worried about whether or not we're going to relapse and we're just so happy that all of these people get to experience this with us and we're in this relationship together and it's more like a partnership rather than like yeah more than like a uh, you know just a casual uh, meeting somebody and and going home with them after uh, a night at uh, at the drinking and then yeah. uh, Waking up in the morning is like, who are you? Yeah. Uh, what's your name? And where am I? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not putting that on you, but that sounds like something I would have done. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, you, you were able in recovery to develop a, a real deep relationship with somebody. And I, mm. I know your husband. He's yeah. actually been on this show before, Corey. <laughs> yes. People remember him. And uh, yeah, he's he's quite a fellow. He has uh, quite a quite a recovery story himself. Which the listeners out there, you know, you can pick up Corey's story uh, off iTunes. I think it's out there. Yeah, so that's fantastic. As far as being able to get relationships going, and now you have you've opened up this world uh, of psychology. And we were talking uh, during the music about possibly pursuing a master's. What what's that going to look like for you? For for me, it, the end goal is to become a substance abuse counselor because, like I said before, going to IOP, it really opened up my eyes to how these people can be in recovery and how it can impact other people's lives as it impacted mine. I mean, I I don't know if I would be where I am today if I hadn't done everything exactly the way I did it because everything was so intertwined, like I've said. So the way that those people were able to impact my life inspired me so that I could pursue a master's degree. I'm planning on doing it online and continuing to work at Vandal Recovery so that I can have this meeting going. I can do these different sober crafts and activities with the students and I can still be a part of the community and do that outreach, which I think it was so important for me to experience people doing that for other people that I really want to be able to give that back now. Mm -hmm. Now that, 
you know, things have changed and I, I have support from, from outside in the community. There are people that I can, I can lean on if things get tough in my master's program. Well, yeah, there's support in the community professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you were talking about Joyce Lyons, who is uh, basically the overseer of the Rural Crisis yeah. uh, Center network uh, that you also do uh, some work with uh, people who are coming in who are in desperate straits. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, having having people like that in your network, as mm-hmm. the cool kids like to call it now, is really important because they can lead you down certain paths. I mean, I know there's a, a fellow uh, in uh, a recovery group that I attend that uh, also uh, works with people uh, through a, like an IOP program, like mm-hmm. you were talking about. And it's inspirational to to see people doing that. Believe it or not, over I've been doing this for close to three decades now, mm-hmm. yeah. and I've met a lot of people who have decided that since they were in recovery, their highest and best use to the world would be helping people outside of whatever program they're involved with, whether mm-hmm. it's AA or NA or, you know, whatever, uh, to be able to help people. Um, and there's a lot of referrals from uh, the judge. Yeah. He likes to yeah. push people into recovery, regardless if they just made a mistake, had one beer too many and got yeah. behind the wheel, which happens a lot. It does. But certainly the education uh, that you get following that uh, <laughs> is not harmful. And I've seen a lot of people introduced to my program, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, hmm. through through the, as we like to call it, nudge from the judge. Nudge from the judge. And uh, we're, we're really blessed in this, uh, in Latah County, to have... Uh, the uh, specialty courts here, the drug court and family yes. court and mental health court, which mm-hmm. sends a lot of people our way, our way being the uh, Leta Recovery Center, but also into those recovery groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mental health uh, groups. There's Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous that mm-hmm. pretty much everybody knows about. But there are other things, too, like the grief group that we have here now mm-hmm. at the Leitah Recovery Center. My parents passed away years ago, but while they were ill and when they passed, I was still drunk. So I did not process that at all. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I intentionally it is true if you drink it something hard enough it will go away (laughs) the problem is when you stop drinking it comes back yeah and uh, it's come back with a a vengeance from time to time so i've i have worked with uh counselors and to get back there and deal with it in the present how i should have dealt with it in the past it's just a lot of work but Mm -hmm. totally worth it um I'm fortunate. I don't think I'm going to drink at those things anymore. But I tell you what, when you break a shoestring in the morning and you're late for work, <laughs> that that probably makes me want to drink more than anything else. Just yeah. this little annoyance, this little horrible annoyance. Yeah. But uh, so you're looking at master studies, and mm-hmm. and you've got some some clues on that. 
And uh, once you get out, uh, are, are you going to run away from the Leta Recovery Center? Are you going to start oh, your own no. recovery center? No, not at all. Um, the the I think the dream at this point is, one, I would have to get accepted to a master's program. But mm-hmm. the crisis center here, right next to the Leta Recovery Center, they accept master's level interns. And the dream would be to be a master level intern and be able to do it here through school and be able to get my license, be able to get that degree and continue to work down at the crisis center and and LRC because I am an on-call crisis worker, but we also do peer support at LRC. And I mean, the The peer support, that's something that we also offer at Vandal Recovery. And really, it's like having a best friend that you never knew you needed or something. And it's, again, it's like being able to walk with this person through whatever it is that they're struggling with, like mental health challenges, substance use, eating disorders. Like there, there there's so many different things that we all just kind of, you know, we struggle with. And peer recovery coaching is something that that person can guide you through your goals and what you take you through what you want to accomplish and how do you want this to look like and it's all based on what they're comfortable with and what they want to achieve right the um, uh, the peer recovery program we uh, we've talked about it before with di- with different folks i've yeah. interviewed just about everybody here <laughs> Um, maybe one or two has slipped through the cracks. I got to nail Miranda down eventually. But um, the just so people know what that looks like, uh, if someone if someone were to come into the LRC and say, you know, I've got a problem with this, that, or the other, and I'd like to get some help dealing with it, the peer recovery program says that okay, we will find one of our volunteers or one of our interns or whoever it is. Mm-hmm who has experienced a similar situation. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's alcohol abuse, we'll find somebody who's in recovery from alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with narcotics, same with, you know, behavioral health, if that's possible. Mm -hmm. And all these people have training. They know Mm -hmm. how to, to go through this process. But it's really, it's a very cool process because it starts out asking them a very open ended question, which is, how do you want to do this? Yeah. And we'll show you, here, here are some of your options. But don't limit yourself to just this. Mm-hmm. If you have some crazy idea what you think might work, mm-hmm. you know, we'll listen to it. We may have to tweak it. You, you may want to stop drinking except on the weekends. Well, is that realistic? Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of thing. But it, their, their process is, is defined by them mm-hmm. how they want to get through it. And then, of course, it's it's tweaked by the volunteers, the recovery peer or recovery coaches, the recovery peer volunteers. Yes. And you get to work with them at a process at their pace Mm -hmm. to, yeah, Mm -hmm. to bring them out. So it's a very cool program that way. Yeah. The nice thing, too, is that I think a lot of these resources are really opening up in Lataw County because, like, We have the crisis center and it works in tandem with the Leita Recovery Center, which is supporting Vandal Recovery. All of these, all of these networks are communicating together so that we can serve the public with whatever it is that 
they are struggling with. Like if somebody comes in and in a crisis, it's free, it's confidential, they will never be billed. And the whole goal is to get you to a point where you feel safe and secure and like something bad isn't going to happen to you. And we, we've de-escalated the situation and you start to feel better. And then with the recovery coaches, they can take you through a process where you set up a routine and you work with them on a weekly basis. So you're getting to know the client, but you're also getting to know the recovery coach. And it's really cool because it, 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 it's care that doesn't really end. It doesn't really have to end until the person feels like they're doing better. And right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not unusual for, uh, as a matter of fact, I believe it's encouraged that after somebody goes through uh, a crisis uh, situation that they get kind of just walked on the other side of the wall, as we call yeah. it here, and yeah. say, oh, here's so-and-so, and he yeah. or she is yeah. uh, doing this sort of thing in recovery, and would yeah. you like to work with them, or would yeah. you like to set up some sort of process so that this, when when this trigger or whatever it was mm-hmm. that brought you in here today doesn't reoccur yeah and that's that's like incredible in the old days if you were suffering a a mental health crisis behavioral health crisis uh you ended up at gritman yeah uh sometimes unfortunately with law enforcement there and you had a legal entanglement and uh the the family was left out of the queue nobody knows where you are where if you come in here it's it's a whole different thing it is a whole yeah just so much better situation yeah Yeah. Uh, and with the crisis center like being able to limit law enforcement involvement being able to limit hospitalizations I mean that would have been something that was so wonderful for me because Mm -hmm. you know I did have law enforcement involvement I was one of those cases like a nudge from the judge and I would get my court card signed and you know I would feel like ashamed for having to do that because like I I didn't understand that it wasn't really something to be ashamed of it was it was something that was actually helpful it kept me accountable so I really actually appreciated the nudge from the judge quote unquote and it it truly helped me and like if there had been a crisis center down in Arizona like maybe I wouldn't have needed to be hospitalized And these are things too, like when I'm working with a peer, when I'm working with a client, like I can share my own story of like, yes, I ended up in a hospital for nine days on suicide watch after an overdose. Yes, I ended up in the back of a cop car because of a DUI on Super Bowl Sunday Mm -hmm. um, in 2019 is not pretty. And these are things that like LRC and the crisis center and Vandal Recovery, these can be avoided if possible. So mm-hmm. it's it's such a wonderful resource that I I'm so grateful that Moscow Idaho has yeah. access to that. Yes, yeah. yes, and uh, for those who uh, may have attended uh, our fundraiser uh, breakfast uh, yes. and dessert uh, this last week, the good news coming out is that we raised over sixty thousand wow. dollars to continue doing this work. Uh, that's about a twenty thousand dollar increase from last year, and although that uh, that's a lot of money, it's it's probably only about 
quarter to a third of what it costs us to do this. And, you know, we're funded by the state uh, primarily, and the Rural Crisis Center Network is is paid for by uh, North Idaho Public Health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're always praying that the funding for that stays going, Mm. although we have a very unique model with our on-call deliverables so that, uh, you know, we don't have to maintain staff 24-7 like some of the ones in the bigger cities do, but there there are people that come and look at us and go, yeah, we want, we could set something up like we could afford to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, you know what? We are at the end of our time, Emily, but I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for carving out some time. I know we've been trying oh, to do this for a while, but, but you know, my higher power, uh, you know, sometimes tell me to sit back and relax because the story is going to get better. And it has. <laughs> yeah, it really has with all your involvement here and, and uh, all the great things that have happened to you in recovery. Yeah. What a testimony, you know, it's, it is truly wonderful. I mean, being able to go back to school. I got married to that wonderful man and Mm -hmm. I got to sing at our wedding and that was quite exciting. And even the idea of applying to grad school is something that I would have never even dreamed of before. So absolutely. I'm I'm so grateful that you, you asked me in four years, in four years, four years. Oh my God. All right. (laughs) You never know what can happen. You never know. You never know until you dive in, see what's up. So anyway, we're going to wrap it up now. Thanks again, Emily. Look forward to seeing you around town as I typically do. And I'm going to close with the usual. You know, if you think you have a problem with substances or behavioral health, you do. 